Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome to another episode of Sword and Shield. I'm the host of this episode, the Vice Commander of the 960 Cyberspace Wing, uh, Colonel Silas Darden. And today, uh, joining me for this episode is the Wing Command Chief. Uh, Chief, you want to tell everybody who you are? Yes, sir. Uh, Chief Billy Baber. I am the, I don't want to say brand new Command Chief because I've been here for about two months now. As Colonel Arish tells me, 30 days is the limit. I can't say I'm new. So I am the Command Chief of the 960th Cyberspace Wing and very glad to be here today. And uh, just so everybody knows, and I'm sure you know if you're a longtime listener, Chief has already done more podcasts than I have. And so this will probably be my my last time hosting, I've only appeared on one of these, so I don't know if that's an indication that I suck at doing this or that they're just trying to keep me uh, off the mic. I did have grand ambitions of singing at some point, um, but they did not let me do that, um, so I will not try to. So the topic of, the, of this uh, podcast is going to be diversity and inclusion. Um, I'm happy that the chief gets to uh, uh, has an opportunity to join me today because uh, I think we got loads to talk about, including some pre-conversations we had just about the uh, topic. Um, so as the vice commander, I am the, the program manager for the Wings Diversity and Inclusion uh, Program. Um, and it's been a critical component to uh, wing success. Uh, also uh, been a, a key emphasis area of me over the course of my career. And Chief, just to start out the conversation, you know, I talked about this a little, little bit ahead of time. Um, if I were asking you the question, and I'm going to ask myself the question about, um, hey, what about diversity and inclusion and, and why is it important to you? I, I would tell you the story of you know, my dad being a retired command sergeant major and kind of ingraining into me that day one, um, the thing you need to do is to be a subject matter expert at your job, right? Before anybody's going to know anything else about you, they're going to know whether or not you're good at what you do. And so starting out uh, in the Air Force, that was a, um, that was my mission uh, to be, to be, to be great at, at, at anything I did. And of course I failed in a number of ways. Sometimes I was just good and sometimes I was below the mark. Uh, but it was always that desire to be good at whatever I was doing. Um, but as I increased in title, responsibility, rank, um, also noticed that um, people that looked like me were unrepresented in the rooms that I was in, uh, which kind of beckoned the question whether or not um, I was paying more attention to uh, the other emphasis areas like diversity and inclusion, as well as being good at my, my job. Uh, so, Chief, why don't you tell um, the listeners a little bit about, about your story? So, you know, you start off, uh, why is diversity and inclusion important to you? And, you know, there's there's just a myriad of, of things that run through my head when I think about why is it important to me? Because it truly is. And, you know, when I when I first came into the to the Air Force, my first assignment was in a security forces squadron and I was in the orderly room. And, and at the time, I don't know if I should date myself when I came in, but it was around 1996, around that time. And we had a female chief in the unit. And, you know, and, and that was important to me at that time. So I would sit back and watch her and watch how she led and, and watch how, you know, she was just she was amazing. But I also watched the barbs that she would take and the jokes that they would say behind her back. And I knew right then and there that, you know, like you had stated before, representation matters. And and I've also watched her be isolated 
You know, she was an amazing leader, amazing chief, amazing security forces person, but I would see her be just completely isolated. I would watch her. She would have nobody to talk to. She would not be able to have anybody, you know, and I used to sit there and think like, how does she get through her day? And, and I knew right then and there, I was lucky to have such a mentor early in my career. And, you know, her personality, my personality weren't different, were, were different. And I just knew that I could not be that kind of leader to be isolated and, and not be able to have confidants around me. And, and so that is how I kind of structured my career going through the ranks, because inclusion is hugely important to me. Because nothing's worse than sitting in a room being underrepresented and not feeling comfortable. And it's not always about the, the being underrepresented, but it's also about not being heard and, and, and sitting in a room and not being heard. Cause that's happened quite a few times with me and saying something in a meeting and it just kind of being dismissed, you know, you kind of have to go about it different ways. Like, how can I get heard? How are they going to hear me? And, and like you said, being the expert in your job is, is hugely important. And, and that's just for everybody. But coming in the room with having value to say was a huge, a huge way for me to, to, to move forward in the ranks and, and being heard because that was very difficult. And I've watched that even now, sometimes in my career. And, you know, I, I just, I, I still in awe look at the, the women leaders in the Air Force and, and try to pick up on all the positive things that they were doing. You know, how did she get to general you know, when they come in a room and they command it? So there's, you know, little little things throughout my career that I knew I would have to do just by watching this female chief of, of security forces for for two years and and knowing in my heart that I would hope as I would get up in my career that I wouldn't have to be isolated, that I would be heard. And, and I think, you know, the Air Force has been amazing through that and, and through the many changes with with women in the Air Force. And, you know, you're talking maternity leave, you know, when you know, when I had my my children, I had six weeks. I had six weeks to, to get back and not only fit back in my uniforms, but be ready to PT test. So things have definitely changed you know, throughout the years, now you get a whole year. Um, and, and that's just amazing. That's amazing. And, and things like the difference the the hair, you know, even those things are huge. They don't, it doesn't seem huge, but it is huge. And that was the one thing that back in security forces, she would tell me, Erin Baber, your, your hair's too tight. You're going to have to, you know, let that kind of go. And at the time I was like, you know, I'm going to, you know, I want to look sharp. I want to do things. And, and boy, was she right. Cause you know, as you go through the years, your, the headaches, the, all the things that come with people don't think about having your hair. So the changes that are recently changed and even the mess dress, we get to wear pants now. I'm so very thankful of that. Uh, you know, that skirt was just horrid. And uh, so just these, these little changes that are making such an impact on the force. Well, Chief, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, and went to an example of, of, of gender uh, so often now um, in these conversations, these challenge conversations that we have them in squadrons or at the unit level, uh, we go directly to race uh, as, as kind of the, the critical conversation to have with respect to diversity and inclusion. You brought up another 
uh, area that that um, is not necessarily discussed as much uh, in the diversity conversation, which, which is gender. I just remind everybody when we're truly talking about diversity and inclusion, we're talking an amalgam of, of races, genders, um, uh, 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 religion, social economic status, it's essentially everything that makes our Air Force great. Uh, and it's not just about it's not just about race, although race is uh, a critical component to the conversation. Uh, touching on something you said about uh, kind of all the initiatives that are that are going out on today um, uh, in support of diversity and inclusion initiative, which one do you would you consider to be the a passion area of yours, or, or kind of the most important? The passion area, you know, I think, gosh, there's there's so much, and again, you know, the the inclusion part of it. Because you're absolutely right. Diversity is just a myriad of so many different things. Diversity of thought, you know, diversity of culture, diversity of all those. And I love that the Air Force is embracing all of it. And and, and we're able to have those conversations that we were unable to have back in the day. You know, you, you kind of sidestepped around the controversial topics. And, and now we are able and just being so diverse. You know, I was at a basic training uh, graduation yesterday. And this was the first time I saw a young Muslim female graduate basic training. And she had the headscarf and the long sleeve black underneath her blues. And it just, I, I was, I was just amazed. Like, this is awesome. This is so incredibly awesome that the Air Force has embraced, you know, religion, just so many different aspects of diversity. And we're, we're, we're making it where it's comfortable and, and we're making it where it's comfortable that we can ask those questions so we can learn from each other. And, and that's, I think, where my passion is. So, you know, I want to be able to understand that airman that is sitting across the table for me and not just, you know, where they're from, family, but culture, all of those things that they can bring to the table and just make it better and bring us together as a team. So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because uh, comfort, right? So as a command chief, um, uh, some of these topics are sensitive, right? Absolutely. So what advice to, would you give to the, the squadron commanders out there, the superintendents out there, generally the leaders out there, even the airmen mm -hmm. uh, about, um, you know, how do I how do I ask that uncomfortable question? Uh, and, and you and I know before the, the podcast, uh, there, there was a situation where we're talking about uncomfortable questions. Right. And, 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 and how, how to bring those up. So what would be your recommendation to, to asking an uncomfortable question of somebody? So good question. <laughs> So when you, you know, my advice to if you have to ask that uncomfortable question, I mean, just always be respectful. And I don't think you can go wrong if you're respectful and you truly want to know and understand. Because if somebody wants to truly know and understand me, they're going to ask a, the question. And, you know, sometimes questions are disrespectful. I don't think intentionally, but sometimes they are. And, and, and I will address that, you know, hey, maybe you came at that a little bit wrong. But I always encourage to ask the uncomfortable questions because those are that's how, again, that's how we learn each other. And that's how we can be comfortable with each other in a room when we start to learn those things. Uh, you know, and I, I always encourage it, not just with the leaders, but, you know, with my subordinates and with people that I am over, that you have to ask those uncomfortable questions. And, you know, and I learned that more so as a command chief than I ever had, you know, with, with the civil unrest and, and everything happening in the world today. Uh, when I was at ARPC, I was asking those uncomfortable questions and the things that I thought I knew, I didn't know. And, and that was a chief 
being a chief, a command chief in the United States Air Force for over 20 years, asking those questions really brought a lot of light to what I thought I knew. So, you know, to go in my career for 20 some years and think I know the answers and I don't, we need to ask those uncomfortable questions. Yeah. I, and, and I second that and, and would tell you the importance of, of, of networks, right? So folks, folks, folks you trust. I was fortunate in squadron command to have kind of a group of squadron commanders that, that had graduated at the same time uh, as, as I had that I could, I could reach out to uh, that didn't look like me or didn't have similar life experiences. I could say, Hey, what about this? And, and, uh, I was also happy to be uh, a kind of their mentor in a number of ways with respect to those, some of those conversations with with stuff I had kind of taken for granted all my life. Uh, the, the easy example of uh, uh, was a squadron commander reaching out uh, when I was in squadron command to ask me about shaving waivers and razor bumps, saying that that he had never heard of that until he had a waiver in front of him and was trying to figure out what this what this thing was because from from his perspective it was a an airman that just wasn't trying to. Right. Um, uh, wasn't trying to shave meet and, and, and meet the standard. And, and what does that look like? So uh, just to second what you said and, and throw out the importance of having a group of folks you trust that you can go to the conversations with uh, in, in kind of a non-judgmental way and will give you uh, uh, both a response, feedback, and kind of arming your tool uh, uh, box with the information you need in order to be be, be successful. Um, so uh, we talked a lot about you know uh, uh, your experiences as a command chief. I just want to talk about uh, kind of the human interaction and and, and stuff outside. Uh, we live in Texas, right? Well, I don't live in Texas, but you, you live in, uh, in, in Texas. And so uh, how is diversity inclusion as a citizen airman um, uh, important outside of the uniform? For me, it's, it's hugely important. And, you know, I've, again, diversity is an inclusion is, is something that I try and live really daily in my life and in, 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 raise my kids and, you know, the family and making sure that we are in a diverse population and, and my, my children are exposed to as much as they can be. Because, you know, I really do think when, you know, you talked about the shaving waiver, it, it, it wasn't bad intention, just that commander had never seen that before. And it, it doesn't make him bad. It doesn't, you know, it just makes him just, he didn't know. And so he'd asked the question and, and reached out. But those are the things that, you know, not just the shaving waiver, but other other things that I want my children exposed to. And I, I to me, that's what I value. And I find that hugely important in, 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 in Texas. You know, we're fortunate in San Antonio where we're a military city. So, you know, you're lucky enough, no matter where you go, it's going to be a pretty diverse population. And um, and, and that really does matter to me to make sure that my my family, my kids are exposed to absolutely everything they can be. And, you know, growing up a, an army brat, I was fortunate enough to be able to grow up in just hugely diverse communities and, and didn't realize how important that was until I was no longer a member of the military community and missed it and missed it. And that is one of the huge reasons why I did come into the Air Force was that family, that community, that acceptance that we have. And I think that is hugely important, even on the outside of the military, to find that. And and so for uh, uh, for those of our listeners that are not located in military cities, right, the number of geographically separated units out there, me being one of them, right. So I live in the National Capital Region, which is kind of a uh, um, uh, 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 there's diversity all around us. Uh, however, depending on where you you live, there's also pockets of, yes. of uh, non-diverse environments, and so in some cases, it has you have to create. Yes. the opportunities for diversity and uh, place your kids in 
inclusive environments in order to to get that aspects of it. So I think uh, I agree uh, certainly to that point. Um, uh, but some of the stuff has to be a lot of a lot deliberation, and you have to be yes, delivered in, in creating those environments uh, for those ones uh, you love. Um, Chief, uh, you know we're, we're kind of winding this down, but I want to offer you the, uh, the the space or opportunity to offer any sound wiser advice to to folks out there. Yes, sir. So, you know, like I had mentioned probably quite a few times, diversity inclusion is huge in my world, in my personal life and my professional life. And one of the things I, I don't like to tolerate in any in any setting is anybody not feeling included, anybody not feeling a part of the team. And so I do ask when you are in a room, regardless of gender, of race, that you pay attention to those things, that you pay attention to the to the individual who is not participating and, and kind of figure out why is that individual not participating? Because if we're not all participating, we're not reaping the benefits of what we could possibly be reaping. So that is the advice I would I would definitely give to the folks out there is just make sure you know we're the military, we're the Air Force. We need to be a part of a team and we need to feel a part of a team. And regardless of what your political thoughts are or your whatever your thoughts are, we need to make sure that we are including all of our folks and that they feel included and they feel like they're a part of the team. Because there is no absolutely no reason being a member of the Air Force that you don't feel heard, that you don't feel included. So we definitely as leaders and just members of the Air Force should be working towards a more inclusive organization. Wise words, definitely, Chief. Uh, I always like to double down on um, Command Chief's remarks with uh, both a challenge and a task. Uh, so, so my challenge for everybody uh, that, that's listening today is to do exactly that. Uh, I've been telling people since I've been in the Air Force that if you treat everybody in uniform uh, as a brother and a sister, uh, uh, you will respect them more and your organizations will be more effective. Um, uh, um, you talk to your siblings a certain kind of way. If you talk to your brothers and sisters in uniforms and treat them the same way, uh, you will be better off for it. Yes, sir. The challenge, uh, uh, that's the challenge. The task uh, is uh, um, if, if you're paying attention, um, uh, the, the Air Force just uh, released its uh, update uh, to the review of the racial disparity uh, report. And so that information is available on uh, www.airforce.mil. I encourage everyone out there to review the results of the report and to digest the information in it. Um, it's clear that there's work to be done. Uh, we at the Wing Love are committed to doing that work for you. And I look forward to continue this conversation with you along with our boss, the Wing Commander, and the Command Chief. This concludes this episode of the podcast. I want to thank everybody uh, for listening and look forward to the next time they let me host or not.